You can be seated. My name is Peter, and I just want to welcome you here to City Harvest, whether it is your first time or you've been coming for a long time. We always say it's not an accident that you find yourself here today. And why isn't it an accident? Because we believe that God has something unique and something special for you, and uh, that he wants to minister to each and every single one of us. If you are in second through eighth grade and you would like to go to your gathering, you are free to do so. You can also stay here uh, in this room. Uh, Also, we're going to be opening up our Bibles today. And so if you need a Bible, if you uh, don't have one, whether on phone or in book form that you can open up to read along with us today, would you raise your hand and the ushers will pass that out to you and leave it up Will they get you those Bibles? And um, if you don't own a Bible and you would like to take one of those, it is not stealing. Just go ahead and walk right out. Walk right out. Loss prevention will not tackle you in the parking lot. Um, You can just take it freely. We're going to kind of close everything a little different today in um, going to the Lord's table and really looking, we're going to be doing that each Sunday this over the next couple of weeks and really looking at that, you know, we really can't make the adjustments that we find we need to make in scripture without the power of Jesus Christ. And that's what the remembrance of going to the Lord's table, taking communion is really about. So I want to kind of right now um, make some quick reminders of things. Uh, one is to communicate with us. And you can do that on Church Center. You can also do that in a connecting card. You can put it in one of the giving boxes at the um, Radical Giver stations. And communicate with us, whether you have a prayer request, whether you have a praise report, whether you have a question, whether you have a comment, um, whether you are new and you want to know how you can get more involved, communicate. And we've been seeing more communication, and it is it's amazing. Just this last um, Tuesday for Breakthrough Prayer, uh, the, the prayer requests, now some could look at this as, oh no, uh, there's so many prayer requests, but the prayer requests were so much, it filled the whole paper and uh, a segment that we normally put on there on people that were praying for ongoing, there wasn't even room for it because there were so many prayer requests. Now you could be like, man, well that seems kind of morbid to be praising God for all the prayer requests. Well, it's not because it's nice to be able to gather with one another and support one another. And what it means is that there's there's more of that taking place. And so that's really exciting. Uh, Just a reminder also to, if you're not on Church Center, to um, afterwards go into the lobby and make sure you get on there. It's just a great way to know what's going on. Um, There's things for the special gatherings here for the Advent season things like our giving winter food boxes and also like the kids' Christmas program. What are we gonna do on Christmas Eve? Is it a 10 a.m. service or a 5 p.m. service or a 10 p.m. service? I don't know. You're gonna have to look on Church Center because it's there. What are we gonna do on New Year's Eve? Uh, I don't know. It's on Church Center, so make sure you check there. Um, Wanna remind you also that every Tuesday, we have this room open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., for prayer, and you can come at any time and just, um, there's a sheet of paper by the door that has just some of the prayer requests and the things we're believing for, is to come in and just pray. You can, you can also do that from your own home, but we wanted to open this spot up, and there's a couple different 
prayer times, also on Church Center, that um, are specific within that 12-hour period of time. But one we want to keep highlighting is from 5 to 6, every Tuesday, 5 to 6 p.m., is this room is open, and there are teams of people that are here just ready for you to walk in and say, I need prayer. Any of you ever had a day where the day just went not good, and you were like, I just need prayer? And, but sometimes you don't want to just text a friend. Sometimes you, you just, you need human touch. You need to feel like there's people that see you and hear you and care about you. And so I want to invite you to come out um, anytime. That's you. That's why it's called walk-in. It's not scheduled. It doesn't have to be approved. You just walk on in and um, ask for prayer. All right, the last one is to be praying about, we're going to be taking two special offerings this month. Uh, one of them is for our winter food boxes, and we're going to be uh, raising $14,000. What are winter food boxes? If you haven't done those before, is uh, during the school year, a lot of students get their breakfast and their lunch at school. And then when the winter break takes place, they don't have that. And during COVID, there was a lot of resources given out and a lot of extra resources, but a lot of those, the government is pulling a lot of those back. Some of them have run out and different nonprofits just don't have the resources they used to have. And so this is a way for us to be the church and to come around those in our community from Jason Lee Middle School and Hazeldale Elementary. And we um, put together food boxes, not of just cheap, you know, no name brand. I remember as a kid, I used to go to Grocery Outlet when it first opened. And I mean, it was a dented can with a white label and black printing on it that said like spaghetti sauce. And that's all it was. We're not just trying to give what we don't want. I remember going door to door and doing food drives and as a you know, Sunday schooler and saying, hey, we're doing a food drive. And you know, the person goes, opens up their pantry and is like, what do I not want to eat? Canned green beans, they've been in there for three years. Yeah, here you go, kid. But no, we want to really give out of abundance. We want to give things that we would actually want to eat and that taste good, um, also that are healthy. And uh, so we're going to be doing that. And then also we have an opportunity to rally around with the GIPS um, that are our global impact workers in uh, Kyrgyzstan. And they are, uh, they're, have an opportunity of getting a new um, intake center for their women's shelter. And it's very important for that to be separate from the shelter itself. And we're going to be raising $9,000 for that. Okay, the verse to the left, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Why is that on there? The idea here is not just for us to put things on the board and say tithes, to say offerings, to say, um, you know, women's shelter, to say winter food boxes, and to try to tug at each other's hearts or in a compulsive way to try to manipulate giving. The purpose is to say, hey, here's an opportunity for us to pray and for us to say, God, how do you want to lead us? Lord, what do you want me to do? Sometimes that looks like you and I actually sacrificing something else that we would have done and choosing not to do it <clears throat> so that we can contribute to something like this. But the idea is, is it's not me saying this person give this much. Hey, why don't you give this much? It's what has God put on your heart? So it's not under compulsion. 
It's not reluctantly, but it's, Lord, we're, we're following his leading in that way. <clears throat> so we'll be doing that. All right. Uh, no, I know. It sounds like I need water, but um, I think it's more just mucus clogged in the throat. So <laughs> I think we're good. Okay, good. Glad we got to clarify that. Um, all right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. And uh, as we open the scripture, ask that you would highlight what you want each one of us to see. God, um, that you would speak to each one of us, illuminate things to us. Lord, that we would be challenged, that we would have a greater understanding of your living word, but that we would also uh, see that we wouldn't just read text, we wouldn't just be reading a book, but Lord, that we would be reading words that change us. And that as we, each one of us walks out, we would walk out different. We would walk out with a challenge of how we can look and, and act more like you. We would walk out understanding who you are and just your goodness and your love for each one of us. God, that healing would take place, that where there's been distorted views, Lord, you would come and bring correction and bring new life. God, that we would walk out with a greater um, understanding, but a greater appreciation of who you are. God, just how perfect you are. God, how faithful you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, you can open your Bibles. We're gonna start in, um, for, or in, in John, and then we're also gonna go, <laughs> you didn't believe me. Okay. Well, out of the mouth of more than one witness, Nothing makes this table look better than a Kirkland bottle of water. Uh, you can put your finger in John chapter 1, and you can also put your, one of your other remaining nine fingers in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be looking um, at both of those. So we are going into Advent. Clearly, you know that. Um, and what we're kind of looking at with our series is the way Jesus came shows us the way. So the way that Jesus came here to earth as man, as human, is not just a story of what he did. There's also an example in it for each one of us and how we're to live. So the way he came, it shows us the way that we're supposed to live our own lives. So we're going to be looking at um, five different things as we go through this. One, that he came incarnationally. He came supernaturally. He came in vulnerability. He came in humility. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll just be looking at, he came in peace. He came giving us hope and joy and love. So we wanna look at each one of these in this way. And so today, looking at incarnationally, what does that mean? It means the embodiment of a, this is one definition, the embodiment of a deity or spirit in some earthly form. So we have the Trinity, God the Father, we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus the Son, and he comes to earth in human form, and he comes to be with us. So we're gonna start in John chapter one. We'll read through that, and then we'll go to Philippians chapter two. Uh, and instead of a question to consider, it's kind of more written as a phrase here, as Jesus came to earth as a man, 
Why did he come? To die so that we may live. So he came to earth as a man to die so that we may live. So we are to accept his gift of free life, of forgiveness, and die to ourselves to live for him. So he came to this earth to die so that we could live. Our response, so the way Jesus came shows us the way, the way we are to live is then to actually die to ourselves to live for him. So let's read in John chapter one. We're gonna read uh, again, verses one through 18. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God, is near the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. I did it. Yes. So, <clears throat> I have an issue. My issue is that when I read scripture, I get super excited. And I tend to, even when I'm gonna read it to everybody, I tend to not be able to read through the whole thing without stopping and saying what I'm excited about. And um, it is really hard. Last week, Tamar's like, you did it again. I'm like, no, I didn't. I go, I know I didn't. I read through the whole thing. She's like, no, you didn't. So I open up the stream. She's like, maybe you shouldn't do that right now. You, no, nah, you probably shouldn't do it. I said, no, I'm fine. She's like, no, no, no. You probably shouldn't do that right now. And I go and I play it. I literally read four words and then stopped and said something. Read three more words and then stopped and said something. And I was like, oh gosh, like this is, it is hard because there's so much in when we read scripture. When you really read it, not just as history, not just as 
um, a textbook, but you, when you read it as the living word of God and you read it as it's life and there's something in it for each one of us and there's so much power in it, it is truly hard just to read the words and not just get pumped up. You know what I mean? So I felt like I deserved a high five. So I, and I just, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, and I just wanted to acknowledge right here to Tamar that I did it, okay? <clears throat> All right, verse 14. So the word became human. So it keeps talking about the word in here. What is the word? The word is Jesus. The word became human and made his, who's his? That's Jesus, home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So what's important to remember is that Jesus wasn't created as an infant. Prior to Jesus coming to earth, there wasn't just God the Father in heaven. The Trinity was still alive and well. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus has always been, if we look at verses one through uh, four, in the beginning, the word, we're talking, John here is talking about Jesus, already existed. The word was with God. Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God. And the word was God, talking about the Trinity there. So there's there's an element of separation. There's an element of oneness in that. He existed in the beginning with God. In the beginning. Sounds a lot like the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning. And it starts talking about the creation story. John's kind of talking about it in this way, but letting us know that not only did Jesus come, but what's important for us to remember is he existed prior to that. Why do I think that's important is because It wasn't like God just decided, okay, we got ourselves a problem. These people are extremely selfish. They keep doing whatever they want. They're totally messed up. I need to create another deity. How am I going to do this? Gets together with some of the angels and talks to them. Okay, we got it. We're going to do this big supernatural, miraculous birth. And we're going to create, and this person will now be my son. Moving forward, This Jesus will now be my son. And and this is what his role is going to be. No, he he already existed. He was there from the very beginning. He was with God and he was God. He created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. and, And his life brought light to everyone. How amazing that his, through him, we've all received life. From the beginning, we're still receiving life as we're going to, as we take communion today, we do that in remembrance. We have a new life that is found through him. It's also good to remember that people need his light, not us. So when we look at this, as Jesus came to earth as a man to die so that we may live, so we are to accept his gift and die to ourselves and allow him to live through us, allow him to shine through us. 
Verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And let's build our faith on that. Let's remember that. How many times have we been in dark places and not just talking that you watched a movie that felt dark, not just saying you went to someone's house and you're like, ooh, there's some bad vibes in this place. I remember when I was selling real estate, I used to go into some houses and Karen, you're a realtor, you know. It, I mean, there is something about the spiritual realm. I walked into homes that were messy, but man, there was a peace in those homes. I've also walked into houses that, man, were super fancy and had everything in them, and you walked in and it's like, there's a darkness in this place. But there can also be darkness just in our situations. There can be darkness even in our own attitudes. What we have to remember is that that darkness can never overpower the light. The light overpowers the darkness every single time, every day of the week, every situation. The light always overpowers. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. He's sending you and I, same thing, that we would go out and that others would believe, your neighbors, your coworkers, your families, wherever he's placed you, he placed you there on purpose. You might think you're there because there was no other options. You might think you live there because you got evicted from the last place. You might think it's, you work there because it's the only place that would hire you. Man, I believe God has you there for a reason. Wherever it is, the school, the workplace, and it's so that through our testimony, not that we shine brighter, but he shines through us and he reveals who he is to others. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's what we're celebrating, that the light is coming. So why do we dim all the lights? I don't know, but it just makes it look prettier. But the light is coming. Jesus is here and he wants to shine through us. Through him, you and I have life. Left to ourselves is death. Left to ourselves, we're destructive. Left to ourselves, we're selfish. Left to ourselves, we hurt others. But Jesus brings us life. Verse 10, he came into the very world he created. Remember, he created it. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Remember that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your background. He's calling you his children. What you have to do is accept him. But remember that gift isn't just for you. It's also for that person that you can't stand. It's also for that coworker that drives you crazy, that would, you would rather quit and not have a job than work with them one more day. It's also for that neighbor that you just pray, God, will you cause this person to move away? Will you cause something to happen to them where they get evicted and they don't have to live there anymore? What if his thing is, would you wake up and be and allow me to shine through you? Will you share your testimony because they too are my child. They too I wanna to call home. 
He gave us the right to become his children. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Then you see John's declaration. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. You know, John the Baptist was an amazing person because even though he was declaring and preparing the way for Jesus, there was an acceptance about him. He was crazy. He was radical. He was weird. But he wasn't rejected quite like Jesus was rejected. And so people would ask him, are you one of the prophets? Are, are, are you the coming one? Or are you this? John didn't give into it. He always remembered who he was. That doesn't mean we diminish ourselves as worthless, but what it means is we remember that Jesus came to the earth as a man to die so that we may live. John knew that he lived through Jesus, that Jesus was the light, that Jesus was the one that was going to radically impact other people's lives. He knew that he existed far before him. The last sentence here is he has revealed God to us. Just like that baby's crying, talking, not crying. Jesus came to earth as an infant and came to reveal God to us. God's character, God's ways, God's plan, you know, when Jesus came, he also, he had to resist temptation because he came fully as man and there was temptation. He goes out into to fast and to pray and the accuser meets him there and starts tempting him in the same way you and I are tempted. He's hungry and he's like, hey, why don't you turn, you know, these stones into bread? One book that we read talks about that as, as the, the, the temptation for relevance. And you and I are always tempted to be relevant. Hey, why, why, you need this. Why don't you go get it? Hey, hey, you would, you would look better if you went and bought this. You would fit in more with your friends if you also got one of these. People would think you're successful if you also went and got this. There's a temptation for relevance in each one of us. The accuser asked him to jump off. Basically, jump higher than you should, any of us can live in jumping. And saying, you know, isn't God gonna help you fly? Or won't, you know, it'd be like some, what I call demonic movies. Some of you just call them creativity, whatever. But um, maybe like Star Wars. Yes, I said it, okay. But like where the person jumps, you know, and it's like as they come down, they slow down and they just kind of slowly land soft. But there is a temptation to be spectacular, to show off. John the Baptist had that same temptation when they were saying, hey, are you this person? And he's like, no, I'm just this. Jesus is the one that's spectacular. 
Jesus is the one who's amazing. A temptation, he said, if come worship me and I will give you everything you can see. Let's go up to the highest place. Look out, you will reign over all of this. That was an earthly reign. That's like a governmental reign. That's like a political party reign. But Jesus knew he was part of the kingdom of heaven. And so he wouldn't give in to the temptation of power. So again, as he lived and as he resisted those temptations, so you and I are to resist our own temptations. If you'll turn to Philippians chapter two, that's where your other finger is. Philippians chapter two, verse one through 11. It says there, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his life? Now see, like, I'm gonna pause here, but this isn't me doing what I was doing. This is just me explaining how hard it is to do what I'm supposed to do. So just the first line here is, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Man, I wanna stop there and say, is there? Come on, there's an amazing encouragement. There's amazing blessing. You could preach a whole message on that one little line. Any comfort, so now we're gonna continue on. Any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes. Verses one through five talk about how we're supposed to act. So if we look at the way Jesus came, shows us the way. We believe that he came to earth as a man to die so we may live. So we are to accept his gift and die to ourselves, not do things the way we naturally would, but do it the way he showed us how to do it and live for him. Then verses one through five come alive. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Absolutely. Any comfort from his love? Immense comfort from his love. Any fellowship together in the spirit? Yes. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? I sure hope so, but sometimes not. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, 
loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. So here's the challenge. Don't be selfish. He wasn't selfish. Don't try to impress others. He didn't come here to impress anyone. Be humble. He was humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. He served them. He washed their feet. He slowly kept re-explaining things over and over to them. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Even at the very end when he's in the garden and praying, Lord, man, if there's any way, could we come up with another plan? Like, I don't know, maybe you just give me like a little potion and I just fall asleep and then I died for them that way. Lord, is there any way you could remove this cup from me? That's his, his own interest in a sense. But God, if not, not my will, but your will be done. The interests of others, the interests of you and I. Verse five, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The way he came, it shows us the way. So in these Advent days, these coming weeks, Let's think of that. Let's let it read through the scripture, read through not just the birth of Jesus, but let's read through even how he lived his life, how he treated us. Think back to your own testimony. What has God done in your life? Think back to the light. Where have you been dark and his light came in? Look at where has he put you in dark places not so that you can be overcome by the darkness. We need to walk in boldness and know that he wants to shine through each one of us. If the praise team will come forward and the ushers, if you guys will uh, begin to just prepare the, the, the communion elements. Here in a minute, we're gonna go into a song. And as we do, I'm gonna invite you guys to stand here in a minute and the ushers are gonna release you row by row. And you're going to come up and, and get the elements and then go back to your seat and you're going to hold on to them. I know we always do it different just because we like to shake things up, uh, but we're going to hold on to them and we're going to take them together here at the end. So you're going to hold the cup. You're going to hold the cracker. You might get super excited about the song. Just remember, you can raise the cracker hand really fast, just a little slower with the juice one. Okay. Uh, Jesus spilt it, but we're not supposed to, okay? So you're going you're gonna to hold on to it, okay? What does it represent? So he came, yes, from heaven. He had always been there, and he came to earth. He took on human form, and he didn't come in with a big entourage of of protective services. He didn't come in in the largest chariot that had ever existed. He didn't come in from being part of the most popular family. He didn't come in with all the, all the special things, the trendy things that a baby would need. He came in in such a humble, in such a poor way. Does it make a dramatic story? It sure does. It's making me cry it's so dramatic. But you know, it goes beyond just creating drama in a Hollywood sense of making an amazing movie. Why did he come that way? 
He came that way to show each one of us because each one of us has something from our own childhood, the way we came into the world, what we got, where we feel like we've been gypped. We feel like we had lack. Others had so much more than us. And he came in a way to say, I see you. Man, I love you so much. I love you so much. I'm going to come where I've been here forever. I've existed for all time. Not only am I going to lower myself to just come and be in your presence and walk in your dust, but I'm going to come in a way in such humility and with such lack and where, where there's brokenness to show you that you matter to me, that I see what you're going through right in this even moment. I feel it. I've been there. And I want you to know that I'm going to come in such a humble way that you would not be able to discredit yourself and say, I was an accident. I must have been forgotten. I was abandoned. I was accused. Because he came not just to be with us and not just to be amazing that he walked on the earth. He didn't even come just to die and die alone. That could have happened really fast. Could have been a much quicker plan. But instead he came in such a way to connect with you and I. A way to show us, not then just to connect with us, but to show us an example of how you and I can live. A way to show us why you and I are to live in a way to give us eternal life. This juice represents his shed blood on the cross. I like to think of it that as he was bleeding to death, as his blood was draining out, it's like I'm sitting in a chair with a blood disease and right next to me is Jesus Christ getting blood taken out of his veins and his life is draining out of him and pouring new life into me. And I'm sitting here watching him fade away so that I may live. His body was broken so that mine will be made whole. I'm walking naturally in a broken body. But he said, no, break me so that you can be made whole. That's what the elements represent to us. I want to read one last portion of scripture. You don't have to turn there. It's Isaiah 52. Verse 13 through 12. Sorry. I'm not seeing, I am left-handed, so I do go backwards. But Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12. Will you stand if you're able? Man, this is amazing because this is long before Jesus ever came. But listen to what is said here. It's an amazing prophecy. Man, it is amazing how much it happened like this. See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. This is talking about Jesus. But this is hundreds of years before he came to earth. 
But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see that they had not, what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in the dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with, with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. Come on, it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a, as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short midstream but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Man, that's our king. That's our God. That's our savior. That's our friend. That's our brother. That is the eternal God who came to earth in human form. That is in the word prophesied hundreds of years before it existed. 